Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruni, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on, Alex. So, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first and goal. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson, the speed, and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's Austin Nate. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Now. Down. He's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And it's got his field up. And watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin. You tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back ranking. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern, the only time zone with a committable offer. On a five-star version of the Debbie Debate, we have official visits from Katie Flower of Under the Helmet and Alan True of 247 Sports. I'm your bagman, Alfred Fernandez of Why Wait Till Sunday, and we have taken over the Debbie Debate for the evening. Tonight's agenda includes answering the question of who is the number one wide receiver in the 2022 class, we ask Rondell Moore or Jamar Chase, and what should we make of the Kyle McCord sandwich situation at Ohio State? But first, we start with Eric Gilbert entering the transfer portal once again. Gilbert, of course, the best TE recruit in 247 rankings history, committed and played for LSU this season, finishing second in passing yards, I, or receiving yards, I believe, uh, left the program citing a need to be closer to home, and he's from Georgia, so of course many people thought he would wind up at UGA but then committed to Florida and now once again back in the transfer portal. So I throw it to you, Katie Flower, diva of Devi. How much has Gilbert's value been affected in the Devi and C2C formats after all this fiasco we've got going on? First thing I want to say is he says that he committed to Florida because he wanted to be closer to home. Uh, it's a one hour, 35 minute flight from uh, Baton Rouge. It's one hour, 10 minute flight from where Florida plays. So unless you're going to drive, it's really not closer. And there's a whole bunch of things about his grades. I think it's going to affect more his C2C value than it will his Debbie value because the NFL really doesn't care if you're a college graduate. Three years out of high school, you can apply to be in the NFL. So he's already got one year under his belt. Let's say that he ends up not getting the grades and has to go to JUCO or, or whatever, some other circuitous route to the NFL. He can still make it big in the NFL without even playing for a big-time school from here on out. So I think his Debbie value, because of his skill set, will hold, but his CTC, C2C value for sure will take a hit. 
Oh, sorry, Alan. Any thought? I mean, I'm feel I'm Felix for the evening, so of course I had to mute myself. Uh, it, Alan, any thoughts on on that? Uh, you know, his value. Well, he's such a talented guy coming out that I think there there has to be value just because there's so much upside with the guy. Um, there was a reason that he was the highest ranked tight end recruit in history on 24-7 sports. And this is with guys like O.J. Howard, who I remember seeing in high school and were, were just freaks coming out. But there's a reason Eric Gil Gilbert was put up that high. He has exceptionally high ceiling. So I think, you know, you're, you're waiting to see what shakes out with him. You're wondering if uh, there's other things going on that may keep him from reaching that ceiling. But certainly talent wise, there's no question. Yeah, I think if I threw my two cents in, it would just be uh, this just feels like there's things other than what we what we know, you know, and, and the talent, the athleticism is clearly there. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with him. I've taken him in some mocks. I don't have any actual, uh, you know, shares of Eric Gilbert right now. So um, I'm waiting to see. I mean, I guess we'll see what what he where what team he lands on. But Alan, should Michael Mayer or is there another player who should be considered the TE1 for the 2023 class now, in your opinion? Well, I think he's clearly the number one guy, and he's established that after what he did as a freshman. You know, we just talked about Gilbert being so highly ranked. Michael Mayer was not that far behind him. He was also a five-star. Um, he was the number two tight end coming out of that year. And when you look at the rest of the top national tight end board, there's questions all over the place from Gilbert on down to, you know, Jalen Conyers transferred Malik Carr is really playing more like a big wide receiver. So when you talk about tight ends in that class, Michael Mayer after one year is undoubtedly the guy. I know if we're talking redshirt freshman, I think Isaac Rex at BYU deserves to be mentioned, had a really, really good redshirt freshman year for them. He'd probably be the next guy in that group. But I think Michael, Michael Mayer, uh, you wouldn't get a lot of debate for anybody around the country that he's clearly the number one guy. Katie, agree, or is there another guy? Well, the thing is with Debbie, unless you're playing C2C, with Debbie, the hit rate on tight ends is really, really low, twelve about 12%. And then not only that, even if you hit on a tight end, it still takes a long time for them in the NFL to become fantasy relevant. I fade the position, so I don't totally scout it. Even in tight end premium, unless it's start two tight ends and then – I still try to favor the guys that are closer to coming out rather than the guys that are three or four years from coming out. But yeah, I definitely think uh, tight end is certainly a position where I'm going to wait and see production on the field rather than trust a whole lot uh, in terms of um, prospect rankings, I think. Uh, so I'm with you there. I'd like to take this moment to remind everyone we are doing a giveaway $50 DraftKings gift card. Uh, you can use it uh, for NBA. You can also hold it for college football and uh, get a winning lineup from Why Wait Till Sunday podcast. So just a little plug right there. But you have three requirements to get um, entered. Uh, you have to leave a five-star review for this Debbie Debate podcast right here on the Apple Podcasts. If you've already left a review, that is met requirement. And then you still have to sign up for a yearly premium membership at the newly minted campustocanton.com. We're very excited about that site uh, and um, got tons and tons of things ready to come at you uh, with that membership. DM a screenshot of your review and receipt to Sharp Review on Twitter. That's at Sharp Review with an E, review. 
And then first 15 subscribers, well, first 15 new subscribers to the website will be eligible for a $50 DraftKings gift certificate, which covers the subscription. Plus you can turn it into even more by winning a Millie Maker. So let's get into something that I think we're all very excited about being C2C players, uh, Alan working for a recruiting website, the 2021 freshman. Who are you dying to grab in Debbie drafts? Who's one freshman you think can pop right out of the gate week one and hopefully a fairly normal off season leading up to a fairly normal season in 2021. Alan, you're up first. Go. So it set off the radar, right? So I was trying to go a little bit more deep into the less obvious choices. So my guy was Baron Morton at Texas Tech. Um, a couple of reasons for this. I mean, obviously he's going to go to a system where they're going to throw the football over the, all over the place, but uh, they don't have much coming back in that quarterback room. Alan Bowman transferred out. I think the only returning guy that, that really averaged any yardage is Henry Columbia. And in Barron, Morton, they have a four-star composite guy coming in. Uh, he was an Elite 11 selection. And over the years, Texas Tech has put up some great numbers with guys who weren't necessarily top-end recruits. Even Patrick Mahomes, we uh, you know the recruiting sites get um, picked on all the time for, for missing his rating. But traditionally, Texas Tech doesn't recruit Elite 11, four-star type guys. They got a guy in Baron Morton coming in. I think he's going to have some adjustment to the college game because he didn't play you know top-level ball in the state of Texas coming out. But when you look at situation, if you're looking for a deeper kind of guy, when you look at the situation he's entering, not much in front of him, plus the system he's going to, I think that's a guy that um, kind of fits the mold of what, what I was looking at here. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, playing time, I think, is there. Uh, do you know offhand, I don't, if he's an early enrollee? I believe he did enroll. Usually yeah. the quarterbacks are doing that pretty frequently these days. So, yeah, I mean, he gets on campus already. And, yeah, the the uh, depth chart right there is wide, wide open. Uh, let me ask you this. I have looked at him, actually. I looked at some of his Elite 11 um, throws and things like that. He just seems – and you said it might take him a minute to get acclimated to the college game. It seems like he's a very long, lanky player. His movements seem kind of just exaggerated. These bit, you know, kind of a big wind up. His there's one particular dropback uh, that I like. He just his base was so wide with these giant legs. He looked like a giraffe back there throwing the football. So, uh, you know, how do you think that you know is, is her, ugh, are his mechanics a problem? Do you need to tighten that up in, in what you've seen? Yeah, I think you know mechanically. He's not perfect, but he gets the ball to where it needs to go. Arm strength is not a question. I do think physical stature is probably the biggest question. Is he is he going to be able to be physically ready to take the pounding um, for as many dropbacks as he? That that's probably a bigger question for me. And then just adjusting to those windows closing up a little bit faster than he's used to. But I do have him verify. We did confirm, by the way, that he is an early enrollee. So they're probably throwing the weight on him. One thing about him, too, that I don't know if it came across in those clips, he's a really good athlete. He can run. Um, that's verified uh, his shuttle times and, and ran a lot in high school. So I think that's going to help him a little bit there, too. But I agree. He's, he's got you know, he's not perfect. But uh, I think that, like I said, over the years, Texas Tech hasn't recruited those ready made type quarterbacks. And those guys put up a ton of yardage. Yeah, it's certainly got to be exciting uh, for for them to have, you know, what might be one of the highest rated quarterbacks uh, out of the gate. And so hopefully if he can develop, you know, that'll be pretty nice. Katie, 
What is your, you know, I guess it's kind of a sleeper pick, but you know, a freshman you just really want and you're going to, you think it's going to pop. All right. So first off, I'm not ready to die. So I'm not dying for any freshmen. <laughs> and also uh, the caveat that I do not play C2C leagues. I, if, if it was ever hosted all on MFL, then I would absolutely 100% love that and get into it. I think that I'd end up being pretty good at it, but somebody that you can get in Debbie and I think you can get him cheaper because he's, he's not necessarily considered the number one running back in the class, but I go for running backs in Debbie, especially the further ones out because they've got about a 35% hit rate. If you, if you nail their profile and when it comes to two, four, seven rankings, being a five-star or a four-star means more as a running back to the NFL correlation, more so than quarterback, more so than wide receiver, and to some extent, even the tight end position. Although five-star tight ends typically do not miss, they may not be prolific fantasy guys because they're more of a blocking tight end, but they still make a good NFL career. And that's what the rankings are for. They're not for dynasty fantasy football purposes by any means. That all being said, I really love uh, freshman LJ Johnson. He's from Texas, from the Houston area Sci-Fair. They've been a running back factory since the 1930s, and they do the ground and pound consistently. He's five foot 10, 204 pounds, which is a good starting spot. I don't like my running backs that are freshmen to be 160, 170 pounds. To think, you know, NFL, a good weight as a bell cow running back in the NFL, 215, 220 plus. And at 204, he's got the frame where he could put on easily 10, 15 pounds and hit that. And I think that's his ceiling. I think he could be a three down running back in the NFL. I think he's a carry the load type of guy. I think he's going to be an early round NFL draft pick. He's going to sit a year behind Isaiah Spiller. They've got a pretty deep uh, depth chart, but he's the only one. Anaya Smith is more of the pass catching back. LJ Johnson. Um, and by the way, he's going to Texas A&M. I forgot to say that, but he is going to Texas A&M after looking at a lot of large schools, including LSU and Texas, but he wanted to stay in Texas and went to Texas A&M instead. He's going to get to learn from Isaiah Spiller, who I think is an outstanding back who has one more year. And, you know, he could see some carries early enough to show some flashes. He's a, he's a two-way guy. Um, he, he played some defense, so he's a two-way player. And he's also a two-sport athlete. So all of those reasons, even though the rest of the guys that are on the team, there's a lot of running backs. Uh, I think they're all kind of average Joes, and he will shine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with all of that, actually. I think Smith may wind up being a little bit more of a slot guy uh, next year now that they'll have that nice B back in LJ Johnson. And then some people really like Atchain, at I think it is, but he's a smaller guy. I think he's sub 200 pounds. Yeah, 5'9", 185. <laughs> right. Um, I think that LJ Johnson looks much bigger than 204. You know, when you're watching his tape, he runs much bigger than 204. He, you know, I was surprised. I thought he was going to be like a 220 type guy already. And he, you know, I was maybe he's, you know, maybe that number isn't quite right. You know, who knows if, uh, if they're super accurate all the time, but 
he he looks like yeah he looks like that guy who's going to be 220 by the time he gets to the NFL. I was a little concerned with his long speed. That's not the end of the world, but you know if I'm trying to think of true elite upside, I do want a guy who could break off 80 yards if if necessary. Um, he was verified 442 out of high I know. School, which I know I've heard a that. lot of guys in high school, like Saquon Barkley was four six something and at a, 195 pounds. So a lot of times your 40 time in high school really doesn't mean jack compared to how much weight you put on and, and then what you, how much strength that you gain by the time that you make it to the NFL combine. Totally, totally different. Um yeah. I, I'm not worried. I think he's got he's got plenty of speed. He's a hardworking guy. He's got plenty of functional strength. He's got good vision. Um, I think he's got big playability. Yeah, I mean, 30, I, 34 I, 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 inch vertical too, by the way. Which this how is much junior year of high school? Thirty four inch vertical wow. verified. Yeah. So that's some explosiveness at two hundred and five pounds to be able to get up like that at your junior year of high school. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I, I was shocked at that four, four time because he, he just doesn't look like that, uh, on, on what I've seen, but obviously it's there, uh, in a straight line. Uh, he can again, do it. you're watching Texas high school football, which is like most people's college. That's um, true. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's, that's not, uh, that's not a false statement. I'm very curious. I'd like to get both of your thoughts on these two guys that I've fallen kind of, uh, head over heels for two, three-star running backs. Uh, Katie, I know that's probably not a great hit rate. You just went through, uh, some of your work on, on star rating translating to the NFL, but I think, uh, one of these two, four, seven nailed, and Alan can maybe speak to that, but Devin Neal uh, headed to Kansas. You know, I was just going through all the three-star composite running backs, flipping on their their film. And, you know, I think when you get down into the three stars for me, it's like you can tell within the first 15 seconds if you want to watch the rest because some of them just pop right away and some of them are just in the bucket of every other three-star. Devin Neal, he just seems to have everything you want. Um, you know, he he's a... I would, I would not think it's hyperbole say an elite receiver out of the backfield i mean his tape has toe touch grabs his tape has a mossing of a defender in the end zone his tape has um uh, slants near the goal line where he's creating separation on a quick slant i mean guys you do not see that and he's 511 208 he's even bigger than lj johnson if that number is correct so uh, i will let you guys take over but i love devin neal he's a running back 21 in the composite but 247's higher on him at running back 12, which I think is about closer to what it should be, maybe even higher for me personally. I'm in love. I know he's a baseball player. Is that a problem? Did that water down his ranking, Allen? No, actually, that improved it. Over the oh. years, we found that if you're a multi-sport guy in high school and you're not just you know out there in those other sports, you're actually a prospect in those sports, a lot of the time – that really translates. I mean, you find try to find a guy in the NFL who plays a skill position who wasn't good at something else in high school, basketball, track, what have you, um, baseball. And so, uh, you know, we agree with what you said. Uh, I think a lot of people, one of the misconceptions about the rankings is that we just go up and down the list and say, well, this guy's going to Bama, this guy's going to Clemson, this guy's going to Ohio State, let's just put him up there. But as we were digging through the list, we were going – this guy going to Kansas is really good. Um, and a lot of the things that you said, the baseball player stuff translates to when you see him catch the ball and adjust to passes and change directions and do all of those things. And so I'm, I'm right on board with you. I think he's going to a great situation as well. I mean, he could have picked a lot of other schools and sat behind some other guys and maybe had to fight it out for time a little more. I think he's stepping into a situation where, you know, they could be 
several years where he's the lead back feature back there with Kansas. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I was just going to add um, running backs can hit from anywhere just because they do hit at a higher rate at the five star. There's still plenty of guys that can hit from anywhere. And you look at a lot of guys in the NFL, undrafted free agents and post round four and beyond, they still are an injury away. If they get the right opportunity, their skill set will separate them. And I'm very much looking forward to Devin Neal. I, I've heard through the grapevine in one of my Devi chat groups that he's the coaches think he's a really hardworking guy. I like that. I, you know, we can't ever see too much inside the brain or inside the heart in these rankings. And um, I've also, I agree with Alan. I've talked to a lot of uh, pro baseball and pro football scouts and anybody that's a two, a multiple sport athlete they love that because when you finally focus on the one sport, your growth is going to be better. Some of these guys are stagnant. They've been going to camps. They've been, they're at their peak. Whereas other guys, the guys that are multiple sport athletes, they have more room to grow and potential. And they like the clay. They like somebody that can get there in their mind. All right. Well, you guys. I'd like to bring up too, is that, you know, you kind of, you found a guy here where the composite was a three, which if people watching don't know what the composite is, that's an average between the three sites, a composite of uh, ESPN's rating, our rating and 24 seven and rivals rating. And sometimes if a guy's a three-star composite, it meant all three sites thought that guy was a three-star, but then there's going to be cases where there's an outlier there. And I think looking for a guy who is an outlier, a composite three, but he, one of the sites, and I'm not saying just us, one of the sites had him as a four, had him a lot higher than everyone else. A lot of the time that means that organization found something on that kid that maybe the others didn't. And so that's maybe something to look for when you're scrolling through those composite three stars is, is see if there was somebody who was jacking up that composite rating or, or maybe bringing it way down where the other two were, were higher. Yeah, it's a great point. I've actually thought, uh, you know, it just takes a lot of time to manually do it, but I've actually thought of coming up with a table of like the plus and minus, you know, who, who had, who was the highest on, on a certain player relative to the composite and, and kind of finding outliers like that. Exactly what you said. Uh, I'm very excited about Devin Neal. Um, and I, and I want to get your opinion because this is another one where it sounds like some people are on Devin Neal, but I found a guy who I think maybe I might be the only person who looked at this guy and was impressed. Um, but Austin, who's a, typical host for this show looked at the tape as well and was impressed. So we have two people, um, Gabe Irvin heading to Nebraska. Uh, he's a running back 35 in the composite two, four sevens running back 86. So two, four sevens, like way off the radar. He's going to a depth chart with only Marquis step transfer from USC left on the Nebraska depth chart after Wandale uh, transferred. And uh, I think Dedrick Mills is gone. So the depth chart's great. He's from a six, a team uh, in Georgia, Buford, which is a great uh, high school produces a lot of talent. Um, and the tape to me, really pops all around back he he's there's multiple instances of him catching passes out in front of his body with his hands uh looks like the speed is there uh at least to be i mean to me as good as lj johnson type speed i mean maybe not a track star but but very good contact balance i mean i saw a lot of nice things 
Alan, what's what are you saying in the war room over there at 247 about Gabe Irvin to get him running back 86? You know what? I wish I had a better answer for you. He's down in Georgia, and I handle a lot more of the Midwest, and he oh, kind of got right. ranked before I stepped in and did more of the national stuff. And so I don't have a great – I kind of looked through his profile here to see if there was something that stood out as far as why we would have been a little bit lower on him. But like you said, Buford, extremely notable program. Uh, tried to see if maybe – did he share the ball? Was there lack of production? But he rushed for 1,200 yards as a junior. Um ran for a bunch of yards in their playoff run as a senior. So I'm honestly not that. Then I thought maybe, well, maybe he was under-recruited for some reason. But I saw you had an offer from Michigan, uh, a other schools on there. So it doesn't seem like, you know, he, he kind of fits to the profile more of a guy who, who should have been ranked higher based on just these numbers. So my only guess is that somebody on our staff saw him in person and what they saw didn't match up to the numbers on the offer list. Fair enough. Katie, have you... Uh, I mean, yeah, you're not C2C, so it might be a little too deep for Debbie to guide that that far down the list. I looked at him because I saw that you had written him on the show sheet, and I watched about 15 seconds of him. And so I, I would have to say I've got to watch more. He he looks all right. Uh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But I, I would watch more. I mean, it was probably, I was probably like, you know, clicking huddle huddle highlights at like 1230 at night or something. But no, I, I've watched him a couple times since because I was like, how can I have found this person? But, you know, and who knows what will happen. But I was pretty impressed. And, you know, he will have a chance at Nebraska. I mean, day one, he's an early enrollee. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, potential there, I think, for Gabe Irvin. Um, Katie, so you already touched on this. Your five-star findings for running backs. Uh, quarterbacks seem to be a little bit uh, less maybe correlated with that top end uh, rating. Um, do you have it? I mean, either one of you, because Alan, you're obviously in the process of ranking these guys. Katie, you've done the research. Why do you think that is? Why are running backs seemingly easier to target at a, at a better rate that, that it carries all the way to the NFL? And I would say anecdotally, I feel like receivers also rating really is going to matter for the next level. Uh, those three-star guys just don't quite seem to pop the same way. Mike Evans is a three-star. Devontae Adams is a three-star. Michael Thomas is a three-star. A lot of the guys in our top dynasty right now are three-star wide receivers, so you cannot say that. I disagree. I retract it. Uh, so tell me about why running backs. Why, why, why do you think they are the ones that it holds? I think it's the easiest position to scout. I think that it's the easiest position that if you've got the vision and the wiggle and everything, you can tell that from an early age and you can see that. And scheme doesn't matter. Team doesn't matter. The quarterback doesn't matter. Yes, blocking matters, but a guy that is good is going to get his. And it, it's just funny because I'm, I'm going to quiz you guys a little bit and you may know a lot of these answers, Alan, but, and some of these may be shocking, but we want to talk about the quarterback position and how five stars really don't matter. Um, since 2002 recruiting season, there's only been five quarterbacks that were the recruitment number one coming into college that went on to be a round one NFL quarterback. And only two of them at number one overall in the NFL. In uh 
the 2002 class was Vince Young, 2005 was Mark Sanchez, 2006 Matt Stafford, 2012 Jameis Winston, and 2015 Josh Rosen. So this year, if Trevor Lawrence is the number one quarterback taken off the board, which he is presumably going to be, he will be the sixth and the third ever to be the top guy. And if Justin Fields is the number two, that's the first time I've ever seen the top two guys coming out of high school end up being the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. And so here's the quiz for you guys. In the year that Patrick Mahomes was a recruit, the 2014 year, who was the number one recruit at quarterback when Patrick Mahomes, three-star three star Patrick Mahomes going to Texas Tech, who was number one in 2014? That's a great question. And um, I'm putting you on the spot, so no worries if you don't get the answer. Can you tell me where that player Yeah, can you tell me the college? Signed. He went to Texas A&M. And he ended up a UDFA in in, uh, in the NFL. He was an undrafted free agent. He was number one overall. Um, is is it Kyle Allen? Yes, yes, uh, Kyle Allen, the guy that was just uh, was it last year that he subbed in, or the year before? The year before he subbed in for uh, Carolina, and he didn't look great. But and then who was number two that year? Trying to think of who we were debating on that year with Kyle Allen, and I probably was in those debates. But too many names have come. Where did that player go to school? That player went to Clemson, and that player was uh, drafted twelfth overall in the yeah. two thousand seventeen. I think Watson was a four star. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly it. Kyle Allen was the only five star, and then it dropped off to the uh, Deshaun Watson, the number two quarterback, was a four star. Will Greer was a four star. Number <laughs> Will. three. Keller Christ or Christ was uh, number four, and Gerard Hurd was number five. Deshaun Kaiser, who ended up going in round two of the NFL, was 18th overall. Mason Rudolph went in round three. Uh, he was 20th overall. Patrick Mahomes was the 30th overall quarterback in the 2014 scouting class. That's just one example. Yeah. And it's all over the board. Like Josh Allen was 199th. In the was, yeah, in the I would be shocked if he even had three star. I mean, was he, he was even a three, star? He was, he was a three star. Daniel oh, Jones was. was a zero star in that same class. And uh, well, Daniel Jones should have been like a sixth round pick. <laughs> he he, <laughs> he was a walk on too. So he's, I mean, he's almost at that point lucky that he's even in the in the database. It's ridiculous. Right. So Justin Herbert, another fantasy stud right now. He was 43rd overall in the 2016 class. He was a three-star Oregon. Who was number one that year, 2016. 16. Five-star Ole Miss. Oh, uh, well, Corral, he was a five-star. Oh, Shea, yep, yep. And Shea Patterson ended up – Transferring to Michigan after a bit. And Jacob not getting Eason, drafted, Jacob I don't Eason think. was number two. KJ Costello, number three. Malik Henry, number four. Felipe Franks, number five. And then on and on and on down the list. Jalen Hurts was 13th that year. Jordan Love, 1,645. He was a three-star. <laughs> and he ended up going in round one of the NFL. My question, I think, I think quarterback makes a lot of sense, though, because it's the one... I think position, I mean, you need football IQ and 
processing for all these positions, but I think quarterback is the one position where athleticism cannot override the processing. You've got to process. And I don't think you can really know that until the lights come on. That's true. And you're also at the high school level, you know, with us, we try to watch as much as we can, but the NFL scouting process on quarterbacks is so much deep. You're watching every full game that guy's ever played. You don't really get that at the high school level. We're watching huddle tape, watching them throw on air. Um, so you try to get full games, but it's difficult. And then it's also difficult to parse out, like even when we were talking about Baron Morton, like what's this guy playing against? At least when Trevor, when you watch Trevor Lawrence's tape and you watch Justin Fields' tape, you know what that competition they're playing against looks like. What 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 are they going against in those games? And at the high school level, it's just really hard to tell. You know, who are those DBs that they're playing? Um, what kind of windows are they throwing to? Who are their receivers? Um, yeah. That kind of stuff, I think, makes it really tough with quarterbacks. And I think it, it's also not even what kind of athletes are on the defense, but the schemes in high school, I, I mean, have to be so simple. You know, you, you're not having the Alabama defensive coordinator game planning against you in the three weeks before the bowl game. You know, it's it's high school coordinators, high school schemes, probably very vanilla so I do think it's got to be hard to know what kind of processing is going to happen between the ears when the lights come on and it's, you know, uh, real defense at a, at a collegiate level. And obviously that goes another level at the NFL, but at least you have a decent idea of big time college football. Well, I think you can look at it from the college standpoint, too, of how many colleges miss on these guys. Um, most of the time because they're only taking one quarterback a year, but it is also hard to scout that guy, those guys. That's why you end up with a Trey Lance at NDSU or a Zach Wilson at BYU, if the system was right, those guys would be at bigger schools. You look at how many Mac quarterbacks are in the NFL and mid-major kind of guys. And I think that's the nature of, because of the scouting of the, the nature of scouting that position. And also because colleges can only take one guy most years. Those are excellent points. And that's the other reason why even in super flex Devi, it's only about a 6% hit rate on quarterback. You're better off trading the picks for a veteran, a guy that's not so sexy and keeping strong with NFL players rather than going for Debbie quarterbacks, to be honest, you can churn and churn and churn. I've seen, I've seen some pretty awful rosters just two to three years after drafting a bunch of quarterbacks and not even one of them hit it's it's and you've got to dig deep. You can't just go with the top five guys and that's it. If you, if you want to look for a quarterback in Debbie, you've got to consider them all. Yeah, I think that's a good point from from some of your research too. Is that you know just taking that number one five star guy doesn't doesn't really pan out at, at a rate that makes it worth paying that premium in your drafts. So. If anyone has any final thoughts on freshmen, I mean, I could we could have a whole show about freshmen. We do have a couple more things to get to on the sheet. Um, Non-freshmen, 2021 breakouts. Uh, who do you guys have as kind of coming out of nowhere, maybe, uh, you know, real breakout in the, in the mold of like a Javante Williams who puts himself, you know, in the day two conversation in the NFL draft. Obviously, Joe Burrow put himself into the 101 spot after basically a nondescript four years in college uh you know zach wilson this year i mean there's going to be somebody who do you have alan so i have the two-headed combination at running back at western michigan and felix isn't here to shout out kalamazoo so i'll throw that in for him 
But uh, Ladarius Jefferson, who transferred in from Michigan State, was a great athlete, quarterback in high school. I think a lot of the time converted quarterbacks end up uh, doing well other positions. Sean Tyler is the one that's really intriguing to me, though, because when we look back over the years at running backs that we've missed, um, like Raheem Mostert is the one that we're like, how do we miss that guy? That guy was running like sub 1100 meter times in high school. A lot of the time there is a track time or something there that you could have pointed to at that moment and said, that guy should have been recruited heavier and that guy should have been ranked higher. Sean Tyler ran a 10.68 in the 100 meters his junior year of high school. So we've been burned by not finding those times and ranking those guys higher over the years. We had Sean Tyler ranked pretty highly, and they just Western Michigan just had a guy with a similar profile in Dwayne Eskridge uh, here who looks like he's going to be uh, drafted, at least per, seems fairly early this year. I think Sean Tyler has a chance because of that speed to be the next guy to sort of break out of that program. Very nice. Katie? I'm going to say uh, Tyler Algier out of BYU. He's a running back. He did have uh, a good season last year, but I still think he's being slept on in Debbie, just like Javante Williams, who had a good year at North Carolina and then followed it up with an even better year. He started off as a zero-star prospect, 5'11", 195, a walk-on at BYU, um, he is now 5'11", 220, and I think he could be an every down back. He had 1,300-plus scrimmage yards on 164 touches. He's both durable and dynamic. Um, 1,130 of those were rushing yards and ranked him ninth in BYU history, averaging 6.8 yards per carry, which, you know, he's, he's also involved in the passing game. He's a great blocker. And so why the take? He played linebacker versus Boise State. This is how versatile of a player he is. He played linebacker versus Boise State and tore them up. And then later on in the year, he played running back and tore them up again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was a walk-on linebacker turned running back. I think it's a pretty remarkable yeah. story. Um, and I agree. I think it's a nice parallel with Javante Williams, who actually was good as a sophomore, I mean, he was a little bit on my list and then I, you know, I kind of, I don't know. I just didn't really jump on it because of the timeshare and all that. But then, yeah, he blew it up again. And I think if Al, if Algier does it a second time, we, that's a very nice, I think, parallel with what Javante Williams did. And all of a sudden everyone's going to take notice. Alan, feel, how did you I guys miss I, zero sorry, star? I, what's up? Before you get to Alan, oh, real yeah. quick, I, I call him Heisenberg because everybody needs to know his name. <laughs> Fair enough. Say my name. Say my name. So I'm going to guess if he was a zero star, did he walk on? He has to have been a walk. Yes, he was a walker. That's how we, we try to we try to get to everybody. We don't always make it to those BYU walk-ons, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. Is he from the mainland? I mean, I know they get they get recruits from from uh, a lot from of different Cal places. Yeah, he went to high school in California at okay. uh, Kaiser, Fontana, yeah. California. Hey, rest well, for 2,470 yards as a high school senior. So maybe we should. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. When this show's done, I'm gonna text our California guy and give him some crap for that. Yeah, yes, yes. that's what we're here to do at the Debbie debate. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you're right, though. Like, everybody misses. I mean, Albert Pujols was like a 50th round pick, you know, by the Cardinals or whatever. So it's just, it's fun. I mean, the I love guys like that. I love the guys that everybody misses and, and just 
uh, beat all the odds. Uh, for me, I had a guy, and I won't talk too much about him. I'm going to throw the name out there. I think in terms of a, a breakout uh, is Demarcus Bowman, but that you guys went much deeper, so I'm going to have a I'll have a different answer for uh, the listeners, and that's Donovan Green for Wake Forest. Um, you know. I think a real breakout could be coming, like a big, big breakout. It would be his third year. He just finished up redshirt freshman year. He's 6'2", about 200 pounds listed. He could probably increase that to 205, 210, uh, which would be a real nice size. He's averaged about 20 yards per receptions in limited time in his first two years. Um, And I really thought he was going to be the lead receiver this year, and Jakari Robertson had a great season. But I think there's a chance Green leapfrogs him next year. Robertson's a good player, but he's also going to be like a fifth or sixth year senior. Um, and and Green is going to be coming into his redshirt sophomore year. If he pops, I think he could be an early declare. I think, you know, he could be talking about a day two pick. Probably not first round, but I think a day two pick if he if he really kind of takes a, a third year leap, which I think is possible. So I, I think I really like him. Good size. Uh, dynamic player, deep ball threat. I mean, 20 yards per reception. That's, you know, 19 as a, as a red shirt, I guess there's freshman year. He had a couple catches and then uh, 20 this past year. So that's pretty nice. All right. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Yeah. Ready. All right. True. I'm giving or... my answers. I'm giving my answers in poetry, by the way. <laughs> oh, very we, we nice. We discussed this the other day and I will be doing that. Okay. I can't promise that I will do that. Um, all right. True or false. During the 2021 season, we have a pair of quarterbacks that could mirror Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, Bryce Young and DJ Uangaleli, I think is how you say it. Close. Uh, as the number one. Okay. So the question is true or false. Bryce Young will usurp DJU as the number one quarterback in the class of 2023. Skylar, you have the floor. All right. I like my players young today and every day. But the number one of 23 is still DJ Uyunglele. Oh, I like that. So that false. is clever. Very so snappy. Is false. All right, DJU for Katie. Alan. I agree with her. I think it not it may, we had Bryce ranked higher. And down the road, that could happen. During the 21 season, though, I think Bryce is going to have to prove it more. He doesn't have the physical tools that DJ does. And DJ's already played some last year. So I think it'll take some time for people to come around on Bryce if he ends if he ends up surpassing him I don't think it'll be this year. Yeah, I mean DJU I've seen him go number 1 overall in some C2C startup mocks that we've done uh, ahead of, you know, even um Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler and people love DJU. I think his physical tools are incredible. I'm going to go with the legs. Bryce Young is is my guy. I just think for fa- I mean I look at everything through a fantasy lens and I think uh that upside there for me I would say Bryce Young and I think we'll see it right away because at Al- he'll be ready at Alabama. I mean they'll have him ready to go week 1. True or false? One of the 2020 freshmen from Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, or Gee Scott Jr. will play more snaps than Jamison Williams, who was the third receiver on the team in 2020. True or false? Katie, sorry. Yeah. Okay. In football, one of the phrases that comes to mind is never yield. You can take Jamison Williams and I'll take the field. Okay, okay. I like that. That's clever stuff. Alan, what do you think? Will one of these guys jump over Jamison Williams? 
Yeah, I, I can't rhyme like that. I must have, maybe I needed to drink the IPA she was having beforehand. <laughs> up my rhyming game. But I, once again, there's, there's no debate here for the second one. I agree. Um, and I think Jamison Williams is a talented player, but he's sort of a, I think, lightning rod, flash, let's make a big play here and there. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba in particular gives you a little bit more polish, maybe at this age, a little bit more consistency. So I, I see him. Uh, being the guy that ends up playing the most snaps out of that group. I I agree as well. I think it's uh, JSN, myself, uh, so smooth uh, for a pretty big frame. And, you know, I'm not sure he's got breathtaking long speed, but I actually don't really care that much about that for a wide receiver, especially. Um, you know, it's going to be tough, the table scraps after Garrett Wilson and, um, and Chris Olave. But, you know, Jackson's, also returned some punts this past year. And so he was the only one of that group getting on the field. And if you're returning punts, somebody in that coaching staff thinks you're pretty dynamic. So I think it is JSN if it's going to be anybody. Uh, True or false, Sam Howell will be the top quarterback taken in the 2022 NFL draft. Alan, you're up first. So I'm going to say right now, yes, he's the guy. He's going to be the guy. I'm not counting out the guys. I'm not counting out Spencer Rattler by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but I think Sam's done the most at this point to be able to project him as the as the future number one pick. Katie, you invited me on the debate, so I must be a battler. The number one QB in twenty two will be Spencer Rattler. So the answer is false. <laughs> I That's love great. Spencer Rattler. He's he's got everything, man. He's he's got the arm. He can throw off platform. Um, Sam Howell is is also very good. There's no discounting that, but Rattler is just, his talent is so natural and he can run enough. He's not a running quarterback. He's a pocket quarterback, but he can run enough. And that's what you want in as a dynasty fantasy football asset. And also as a, an asset, as a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Rattler. He just looks like the ceiling is just out of this world with him. I, I that offense was clunky this year. I don't know what was happening. You know, they lost a lot of receiving talent that they should have had. Although Marvin Mims is fantastic. Um, I, uh, I really like some of the guys they got coming in Mario Williams and Billy Bowman. I think that, I think he's just, he can distribute. I, I think he's a great point guard uh, and just can throw it all over the field. So I'm with you. I think Rattler for the, something about Sam Howell's, I don't know. His arm strength to me is just maybe a tick below where I'd really like to see it. It's just sometimes those balls are a little loopy to me, but follow up. Sam's got loopy balls. You heard it here first. (laughs) Only on the Debbie debates. Um, (laughs) Okay. So who's the QB three? Those we talked about the top two, who is number three in line for that class right now? Alan. I had two guys that I liked, but I'm going to go with Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Um, I think when we talk about some of the things we just talked about, natural arm talent, athleticism, he's got it. He's going to have starting experience from his true freshman. He's going to be a four-year starter there or three if he decides to leave. Um, adding the weight, that was the question on him. He's still he's still kind of coming around in that part of it, but I think by the time he's draftable, he'll get that part of it figured out. So as, as far as traits and tools, I think uh, Jaden Daniels is my guy. Who's going to be the 22 QB three? None other than the QB that's at USC. And that is Keaton Slovis. 
Um, it's too early to tell, really. I think whoever it is is going to need to put together a really good 2021 to separate themselves. The quarterback position, so much can change in, in one season. And there's about four or five guys that easily could be considered at that QB3 spot. Um, so at this point, it's just stick a pin in whoever. And I like Slovis. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Slovis. I thought he took a step back. But again, the offense was just clunky. I, I think it was a little bit of the coaching staff that wasn't very good for him. I would say Desmond Ritter. Um, and I, I just think he's the kind of guy like a, like Zach Wilson where, you know, kind of comes out of nowhere, G5 team, but but lights it up. He'll now be a senior. If he comes out and goes like 70 plus completion percentage and puts down 500 yards on the ground or something like that, I mean, I just think he's going to people are just going to be like, yeah, I mean, some deep uh, people liked him heading into this season. Then he led Cincy to, you know, ranked and they, they played Georgia pretty tough in the bowl game. And now he's on a lot of people's radars. And I think you'll see that trajectory continue to go up. And if Slovis doesn't light it up again, like he did as a freshman, it's just kind of okay. I don't know. I could see that happening. That's going to be my dark horse. All right, we I'm I'm put in charge here of, of driving the show. I feel like I've allowed a little a lot of conversation, which I love, but we're gonna try to be quick here. Pick one. We're not gonna really explain it. We're just gonna go. Pick one. George Pickens, David Bell, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Katie. Giving me my pickings of these four to buy or sell. I love Burks and Wilson too, but give me David Bell. Oh, nice. Alan, go. I'm in agreement. I have David Bell written down. David Bell's the one I have highlighted. Okay, pick one of the Alabama incoming receivers. Aggie Hall, JoJo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks, and Christian Leary, all ranked, I believe, in the top 10, maybe top 12 of the composite, which is just insane. Katie, go. They say that speed kills, though some are getting weary. I love some JoJo Earl, but give me Christian Leary. Oh, that's got to be an upset. Alan. We have Ja'Cory Brooks ranked the highest of that crew, so apologies to my 24-7 team for going against their grain here, but I, I like JoJo Earl. He's my guy. A lot of people like Earl. I actually did a Twitter poll between the four of those guys, and I think Earl and, and Brooks exactly tied, despite Earl being a little bit lower. I'm a Ja'Cory Brooks truther. I think he's fantastic. I agree with 247's composite ranking there. Um, pick one. I'm just going to say pick one of the top 10 uh, uh, running backs. Trevion Henderson, Donovan Edwards, LJ Johnson, Will Shipley, Kamar Wheaton, Amarni Goodwin, Evan Pryor, Lavasia Carroll, Trevion Cooley, Kamaro Edmonds. And what you are picking is the closest thing to a first-round NFL pick in three years. Katie. This is not a poem, but every woman favors a big Johnson. I'm going to take LJ Johnson. <laughs> This is a family show. I'm so well. I said Johnson. (laughs) It's after hours. It's after 10 p.m. This it's Adult Swim now. (laughs) Um, Okay, L.J. Johnson. Not a surprise considering her previous pick. Uh, Alan, you're up. I this one I will go with our 24/7 rankings on this one and go with Travian Henderson. Didn't play his senior year, so a little bit tough for him to back up that ranking. But it's going into a great situation. Love everything he brings to the table. Don't sleep on Travion Cooley, though. I think he could play early and often as well. Yes, Cooley's another one uh, similar to Devin Neal, where 247 was much higher than the composite, and I agree there. I know uh, Debbie Debate 
host extraordinaire uh, Austin really likes Trevian Cooley as well. I'm going to go with the other Trevian too, though. I mean, it, I know it's chalk as as anything. He's the you know the the five star, the number one guy. But Trevian Henderson just, I mean, he looks even compared to other Donovan Edwards, who I think is a five star. Henderson just looks like a next level guy to me. So I really like that, and I agree. The situation looks pretty ripe right away. Now, we have an interesting situation at Ohio State. Five-star Kyle McCord is now going to be competing with C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller this year, and then Quinn Ewers is coming down the pipe. And the number one thing I have to say is, why don't these people go to different colleges? I would like to see the talent spread out a little bit more. Um, However, will Kyle McCord ever start a full season for Ohio State? I think the key word is full season. That means he has to start day one, as a freshman and hold off yours. So Katie, what do you think? I like a good sandwich, a Reuben on a rye of the quarterbacks at the Ohio state. Stroud is my guy. Ah. So no, I, I don't think he will. Okay. Alan. I'm going to say yes, he does. I think people are discounting him, but uh, he's won, he won three state championships in high school. His dad played at a high level. He's also was Marvin Harrison juniors high school quarterback. So they're going to already have that connection coming in. So I think people are, are writing him off a little bit, but he comes in with some pretty good pedigree here. I think it's tough to say. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Matt Bruning is excited down there. He's been a big McCord guy uh, for, for the whole cycle here, recruiting cycle. I'm not too impressed with CJ Stroud. I think the key is full season. I mean, that means he's got to hold off or he's got to come in the gangbusters as a true freshman from week one. And then, Hold off viewers who, uh, I you know, as we all know, is a 1.000 rated composite quarterback, which has only happened like four other times or something like that, five other times. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be tough. But we, we shall see. I would bet on the no answer if I had Vegas odds. And some more rapid fire here. Alan, does Texas finish with a 2021 ranking in the top 10 for uh, the NCAA football BCS rankings? I think top 25, yes. Top 10, no. Katie? No. I say yes, because after the first four, who really cares? Uh, Rondale Moore or Jamar Chase? Katie? Chase. Alan? Chase for me as well. Make it three chases. Uh, 2021, the best QB in the Big Ten is. This was actually a lot harder to answer than I thought it would be. Katie, who's the best quarterback in the Big Ten? I got to say C.J. Stroud. Oh, yeah, you're a Stroud gal. Uh, Alan? Graham Mertz. Oh, man. Where's Felix? He's going to bust into the chat. Felix is a huge Mertz truther. I was actually going to – maybe this is a little wild card. I was going to say Taulia Tagoviola. I mean, I think – I was looking down all the quarterbacks. I think it's actually between, to me, it is between Mertz and and and, uh, and Tago Viola, I think. It's shocking how weak the QBs are, it seems. Or my real answer was Quinn Ewers, if that, can we just say he's the best quarterback already? Um, in 2021, the best QB in the SEC is Allen. Bryce Young, that's what I'm going with. Agree. Katie? J- JT Daniels, I don't think, I don't, we'll no, see. No, sorry, Wait, JT Daniels. Oh yeah, Georgia. for Georgia. Okay, okay, okay. That's SEC last I checked. I yeah, you know you're you're right. I was thinking, yeah, USC popped into my head, but that's uh, that's ages ago. Okay, JT Daniels. I I I think he's yeah. I think he's the guy. If it's not Bryce Young, 
for sure. Okay, Tank Bigsby or Jameer Gibbs? Katie. I got to go with my tank. Fair enough. This is a tough one. I don't think you can yeah. go wrong. Alan. I love both guys, but I, I also have tank. I like Gibbs. And can you uh, take a small uh, detour here? Why was Gibbs fairly low at, at you know, kind of all the recruiting services? He saw a late rise, uh, I think, on the services. What you, what was ha- what happened there? Just fall he through the cracks? Just- yeah, just an under the radar guy. It took a, it took a minute to um, to kind of find him and, and really get him properly scouted. I want to say he may have been recruited as an athlete, mm-hmm. um, and and he kind of you know I don't, I don't know if we were exactly sure what to do with him for a minute. Um, and the other thing is there are so many good high school prospects in the state of Georgia that we end up finding guys every year that are unrated. They're like, oh, we got to do something about this guy. Um, mm-hmm. So glad we ended, we ended up getting him in the right spot, but yeah, it did take some time. Yeah, you sure did. I mean, he was a pretty big riser. There were so many people all over Gibbs by the time you know August rolled around, but it took a minute for that ball to get rolling. Hopefully, uh, Gabe Irvin is the next one from Georgia that pops, and I will be able to crown that one myself. Um, so let's see, 2021 Natty champion, Katie. Alabama. Alan, any you have? Are you gonna are you gonna rock the boat? I went Clemson. Okay, all right. Uh, I think it's Bama until proven otherwise. I just can't. I mean, I just can't say it's just silliness to do anything else to me. But uh, if it's gonna be, I mean, that's a sad thing, right? It's, it's Clemson or Bama, and it's like everyone else who can't. That's why I was like Texas. Sure, put them in the top ten. I don't care. After Clemson and Bama, it's just a bunch of people, you know, going ten and two. Um, all right, and then Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. You are guaranteed to make an enemy, however you answer this question. Katie. Bring on the enemies. I don't care. I'm going to say this loud, proud, and very uh, non-stuttering. Justin Fields. Alan? I have Zach, and I'm a Big Ten guy, but I have Zach. Oh, I think it's Fields still. I think it's Fields still. Um, all right. So thank you so much. We did, I think, get this in under an hour, but it was so fun. I appreciate the Devi guys, uh, you know, Felix, Matt, and Austin for letting us take over the show tonight. Um, you can find our written content at campustocanton.com. Um, all the Devi debate guys, myself, Jarek Backus, um, I feel like I'm, oh, and Colin Decker. Follow the show on at Debbie Debate on Twitter. Sure. So my name is Katie Flower, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am the diva of Debbie. If you have any questions at any time, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'd be happy to answer your questions. Also, you can find me on Under the Helmet on the weekly and premium podcast, as well as Off the Rails Dynasty podcast, um, semi-weekly. I'm at Alan True on Twitter, A-L-L-E-N-T-R-I-E-U. You can find all my work on 247sports.com. And I'm also open to questions on Twitter unless it's why is my son or nephew or somebody that I know not ranked higher. Apologies to Kerb. Herb Street, we ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. For Katie Fowler and Alan True, I'm Alfred Fernandez. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. 
Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter Epcot caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races! Nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.